The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. <laughs> His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Thanks so much, Darlene. It is another week. It is another rendition of the great catch and shoot with the one and only Otto Strong. Otto, how's it going, my man? Oh, doing well, but I don't think I'm doing as well as you are. The uh, Kansas City Chiefs take one step closer to a, to a repeat. How you feeling? Oh, man. I'll tell you what. I would be lying if I told you heading into Sunday. I was, you know, a little nervous about it. I had kind of bought into a lot of what the national media was saying about this Bills team and that they were like a team of destiny and that Josh Allen was going to come into Arrowhead Stadium. He was going to take down Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City Chiefs team. And, you know, it started out just like that Texans game did last year, right? Yeah. They got down 9 nothing, and you look at some of the things that happened, a muff punt, a missed interception, and it just seemed like that snowball was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and rolling downhill. And then you know what? You forget the Chiefs employ the best football player in the NFL right now, and that's Patrick Mahomes. And that dude can cover up a lot of deficiencies regardless of what's going on in the game. And I'll say this, Otto. This team plays with a sense of swagger and a sense of confidence that I remember when we were talking about those Bulls teams with Jordan, you know, when we mm -hmm. did that whole month long thing about the last dance. Yeah. That's what this Chiefs team feels like, man. They have the confidence, they have the swagger, and they know that regardless of what happens throughout the course of a football game, they're just going to beat you and they're going to do it with style. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, they're going to have the ultimate test going against, you know, the greatest, I mean, like the GOAT. Is it the ultimate it, test? Like that dude threw three picks in the NFC Championship game. And at some point, like, that's on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers for not getting that done, right? Uh, Was it really look, Brady in this Bucks team? I don't know. Uh, I, I'm I'll, just I'll not a look. believer. I've, I've never <laughs> been a Brady fan. And, you know, to be honest, that's probably because I watched those Patriots teams just run over the Chiefs and their mediocre quarterbacks for so long. And I'm still a little bit upset about what happened in 2018 when the Patriots came yeah. into Arrowhead Stadium in the AFC Championship game. But I think the Chiefs are going to run away with this one. Uh, look, it, look, it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, like, if, if nothing else, they'll have that kind of that handoff moment with, with you know, the Brady on one side and, uh, you know, and, and still the 25-year-old the, the Patrick Mahomes on the other. But, but I got to say, as, as happy as I was about that for, for you, I, you know, I, I'm looking at the calendar and I see January 26th and I, and I just, you know, it just hits me like, okay, this is the one-year anniversary of the passing of Kobe Bryant and everybody else in the helicopter crash. And it just kind of brought me back to, you know, what I was doing a year ago. And, and I got to ask you do, you, do you have that sense? Do you remember exactly what you were doing when you, when you found out? Oh, yeah. Uh, we had kind of had a late Christmas with the girlfriend's parents down south. And I remember we were driving up the coast and you see the notification that he had passed. 
and it didn't it didn't feel right like um it just didn't feel real in the moment and it took a second to process and i remember i turned on the radio and i went to cnn and they were covering it and then you went to espn and you know espn does about as good of a job as anyone in those kind of moments just kind of laying it out giving you the facts and then kind of going through what's going on and I just remember driving and being in shock. This was someone that I grew up watching that, you know, a lot of my friends grew up on the blacktop or, you know, grew up in the gym, you know, with the fadeaway jump shop, yelling Kobe. Right. Um, he right. was the superstar of my generation. And it's a player that a lot of players in the NBA built their games off of and with that mentality. And the way the NBA approached that and the way the players took it I thought was one of the things to, to be remembered about 2020 I mean do you remember what happened with NBA games and how they uh with with the tip and with the 24 seconds and it was a tremendous response to a tough situation yeah yeah look I I, I um I, I just can't believe it's it's been a year and and uh I was looking at at some content that was that's you know available to all, and and I thought the one thing that I saw today was was really good. Uh, the undefeated had something uh, that they had just kind of eight eight stories, and and and, and the beauty of it is that it ranged from uh, there was one guy who had gotten into a car accident in in Newport, which is where uh, near in California, which is where uh, your, your Kobe's place, uh, and. Uh, so car accident, guy shaken up and he's getting out of the car. The first person he sees Kobe Bryant. He had been in the intersection and he was just walking over to help somebody out. And then one another one of the one of the other stories was a story about about uh, you know girl dad and, and and Gigi and how you know how uh, how Kobe's impact and influence um, kind of you know is elevating elevated and continues to elevate girls sports and and so it's just it's just you know all of those things uh, you know coming together just uh, you know just kind of hit me. It made me, made me think that I, I was just you know, fortunate to have spent some modicum of time with the man um, uh, and, and just kind of getting in a little bit of a glimpse and insight into, into how he thinks and, and uh, what, he was, what moved him and what he was passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. And for people who are listening to the show, coming up, Otto's going to have a great interview with Coach Dave Miller, who's not even a co- or who's not just a, a coaching lifer in the NBA, but he was a great friend of Kobe Bryant, covered the Lakers for a long time. You have to stick around for that conversation. A lot of good stories, but do you have a particular memory? You know, and it could be in Kobe's playing career, you know, maybe it was a moment on the sidelines that you saw, or maybe a moment in a scrum. What stuck out to you about Kobe? So, so here's the thing, and it has nothing to do with, with basketball. And, um, it was 2007. It was the uh, I want to say the qualifying for the World Championships. So the I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the name of the tournament, but either way, it was in Vegas. It was 2007, uh, and there were there were some interviews. So this is like a you know it's not the Olympics, but it has that kind of feel. The media is set up that way with mixed zones, uh, reporters from all over uh, coming in. Uh, obviously pre-COVID days, so people can kind of get right up close on, on on one another. And most of the players had come and gone. And there's one player, and I'm kind of walking into the tunnel, but I can't really see. And I, I hear, I, because of the concrete, I hear the sounds before I see the player. And I hear, what I hear is Spanish. And I, 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 I'm not a, uh, someone who knows a whole lot of languages, but I know Spanish when I hear it. I know Italian when I hear it. I hear Spanish and I hear Italian. I see one player. And I'm like, okay, okay. And I'm getting closer and I'm getting closer. And it turns out it's Kobe Bryant having, you know, holding interviews, holding court with, with media from, from variety of countries who were obviously in town to, you know, to cover the event. Um, he was the only player 
left at that point, you know, this is a guy who was, you know, he was a star, I mean, always a star, obviously, but he was, you know, more of his heyday at that, at that point and took every question, um, you know, and you could tell not only was he answering the questions, he had the foreign journalists kind of, like, it wasn't someone who was trying, you know, voicing that politician trying to uh, say something in Spanish, but it sounds like they're, you know, the English version of Spanish. He had dialect, he had tone, he had the, the witty banter, and I had no idea what he was saying. But even I was enthralled by by that. And so, you know, just his ability to connect with people on the sure on the court and basketball and all that, but just on a on a more personal level, you know, uh, having being able to have a, a conversation in multiple languages is. And we of course heard the story about you know um, him him saying him kind of trying to get under under Lucas' skin uh, in a game. I guess it was earlier earlier last last season, um, saying something, some trash talking him. Uh, so, you know, just, just stories like that, it, it was always, uh, kind of, um, marvel, marvel at all of the things he was able to accomplish away from the court as well. Yeah. It's, that's, that's wild. You know, there's few athletes that you hear about just how great of a person they were off the court as they were as a competitor on the court. And, you know, obviously my favorite moment from Kobe and, you know, it just screams what a competitor, competitor he was in the game was, you know, the, uh, the Lakers and the Magic are in that finals contest, right? Yeah. And the Magic have a chance at the end of the basketball game. I'm wanting to say this was, this was game four. It was kind of a tipping point in the series. Magic go to inbound the basketball, do the pump fake right in his face. Doesn't even <laughs> flinch, man. Doesn't even flinch. Like, that's a competitor, right? Like, like, that's a dude that's just zoned in that says, man, all I care about is what's going on right now, and you're not even going to get it under my skin. That's, that's the Mamba mentality, right? That's what Absolutely. it was. Absolutely. Great person, great basketball player. We miss you, Kobe. It's hard to believe it's, it's already been a year, but let's go ahead and hear a little bit more about the late, great Kobe Bryant. Well, everybody, we have the pleasure to be joined by Dave Miller, former NBA and college coach, and has worked with the Lakers for six years, covering the Lakers for six years. Uh, so, Dave, um, we are recording on Tuesday. Today is uh, January 26th, which, of course, is the one-year anniversary of the passing of Kobe, Gigi Bryant, and all the others who were in that uh, in that helicopter uh, accident, does it feel like a year? It, it really doesn't. And you know, in in anticipation of doing this with you today, yesterday I got sad when Bruce Bernstein gave me a call, and you know, I'll, I just had so many different emotions run through me. But when I woke up this morning, there was no sadness. I'm going to spend my day celebrating Kobe Bryant. Yeah. You know, thinking about all the positive things, uh, not just as a basketball player, but as a husband, as a dad, um, just things that I think uh, will really resonate with me throughout the rest of the day is what he left us and how he wants us all to carry on. Mm. With all the things that happened in 2020, and I can honestly say this, I remember exactly where I was sitting. And, we, and, we, and I can't say that about a lot of the, the the spectacular and traumatic things that have happened in 2020, but that I still remember sitting on the couch right at the end, watching the screen, picked up the phone, jaw hit the floor. I mean, is, I assume it's like that for you. Deja vu. I was sitting on my couch downstairs watching TV and all of a sudden I started getting texts and my phone was in the kitchen and it just started to blow up and it was ding, 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 ding. And I'm like, this isn't normal, but yet I still hesitated to get it because I thought maybe I forgot to do something. I was supposed to be somewhere and it was a Sunday. And mm -hmm. immediately when I started getting phone calls, 
Um, I picked up the phone. So right away, I went to Twitter. You know, I mean, in this day and age, you go to Twitter. And I went to TMZ because when TMZ reports something, at least for me anyway, out here in Los Angeles, it's 99.9% accurate. So when I saw that, it just took my breath away. Uh, I, I was shocked. And then I started getting calls you know, from mutual acquaintances in the organization, outside of the organization. And uh, it, it probably was one of the saddest days of my life. Um, and, and I'll tell you, I didn't recover for months because every time I did something, it brought me back to the Mamba mentality. Yes. It brought me back to something Kobe and I talked about. And what was funny, Otto, most of the time, Basketball was about this much that we talked about. We yep. always talked about life. We always talked about business. And most importantly, uh, before it ever hit hashtag girl dad, Kobe yep. is the one that made me a proud girl dad. You know, I have a 31-year-old. I have a 29-year-old, two sons. Uh, and we had a surprise baby that's now 19. Mm-hmm. And uh, our conversations were about our daughters. And he really made it cool to be a girl dad. Well, that, that, that's awesome. That's a great story. I guess I'm wondering, is there anything with, with all of the experience that you've had with him and uh, any new stories that you might um, want, want to share uh, or anything that you might have been thinking about um, as, we, as we're at this milestone? Well, you know, I, I got to know Kobe at the ABCD camp in Teaneck, New Jersey. It was at the Fairleigh Dickinson camp. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to know his high school coach, Greg Downer. And, you know, very few people have ever heard of Bala Kenwood Middle School, nor could they spell it. I can't. And I'm from Allentown, Pennsylvania, just up the road. Um, And I've told all the stories. We know about when he got hurt, the 24-7 treatment. We know about the Mamba mentality. But I I thought of something this morning when I was in the shower shaving, Uh, a story that I've never told. And I have no idea out of why it popped into my head. But Kobe and I had a mutual friend. Um, And we had lots of them, but this particular guy is Nico Harrison. And I'm not quite sure what his official title is now at Nike. He started as an NBA rep, but right now he's got to have one of the top two or three positions in Nike basketball. And the reason I thought of Nico, he was a kid from Tigard, Oregon. And I recruited him. I spotted him at the double double pump camp here in Los Angeles. And I recruited him to West Point. And the key for Nico Uh, coming to West Point was that he wanted to be a doctor. And that was the greatest sell because, you know, you not only have to be a good basketball player, you have to get a congressional nomination from your congressman or congresswoman to come. And I don't know if Nico was too set on going, you know, from Tigard, Oregon to West Point and do push-ups at five in the morning in the rain, sleet, snow, and mud, but his mother certainly did. And so I recruited the heck out of his parents. Long story short, Nico commits he gets admitted into West Point. He gets the congressional nomination and uh, he's there and he's going to be a doctor, you know, and they pay for your medical school. You have to have your military commitment. He acts, I won't say he hated it, but he did not like it. He spent one year there. He transferred then to Montana State and became one of the greatest players ever at Montana State, right? Uh, Academic All-American. I believe if my memory's right, he played in an NCAA tournament game with them. Maybe it was Syracuse. I could be wrong on that, but one of the greatest players there. So Kobe had a security uh, force also that was tied in with the Lakers. And Robert Lara was a guy that I got to know just being around the team and practices. And he saw Nico and I, uh, you know, very friendly. And Nico became Kobe's rep at Nike. 
So, I mean, every time you saw a picture of Kobe, whether it was in LA, New York City, or China, Nico was in the background. You know, and it was really cool for <laughs> me and my wife and kids to see Nico making this rise up. So Robert said, how do you know Nico? I said, well, I recruited him, you know, for two years, yeah. signed him at West Point, and his face went blank. The next day I see Kobe Bryant and after practice, Kobe does this to me. So I'm thinking either I said something he didn't <laughs> like, I said something that was inaccurate and he was gonna light me up. Right, right. And, uh, he said, tell me about Nico. And I just lost it. Now, of course, as most coaches, I, I stretched the story that Nico couldn't guard me, <laughs> even at age 45. And uh, so Kobe took that and ran with it. So long story short, the next time I ran into Nico, he goes, why did you do that to me, coach? He goes, don't be a hater. He says, Kobe is on me every time we talk on the phone, every time we're in person. I thought you could guard. I thought you were a good player. And that's to the level that Kobe would do his research. And it was not only as a player, we saw it as he was getting ready to start his second chapter of life in the business world, you know, winning a Grammy, yeah. you know, being a storyteller. Yeah. But, uh, but to this day, when I see Nico, he always gives me a hug and he says, man, coach, you did me wrong with the black mob. And I said, I told him you were good. That was Kobe that was hating on you. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great story. Hey, I, I, look, go tell the Spartans. I'd be remiss if I didn't say it. I was walking that uh, long gray line in, in July of 87. I did six months, uh, and then and then you know my path uh, took took me a different way. But I I know what you speak when you talk about what the academy and all that goes on there. And, and well, here's and, the funny yeah. thing with West Point. Yeah. I never told Nico that you couldn't leave the campus. Oh, see, uh, <laughs> as a plea. And, and it's not that I lied to him. I just never told him. I mean, you know, I, I, I've, I've coached a lot of places where the practice facility wasn't very good. So I never took the player I was recruiting on the official visit into the practice facility. I always made more things fun and the 48 hours was over. With Nico, I think he thought that every weekend he and I were going to drive into New York City and go oh. to Rucker Park or West 4th Street and play pickup games. So he's always like that first month he was there, he's like, hey, coach, when are we going down to New York City? Mm -hmm. nope. And I'm like, no, I couldn't say that. Otto. I said, I don't know. I got to find time when it fits my schedule. Uh, okay, so having, having been someone to walk those shoes, that's hilarious. Uh, and for so many reasons, I would go catch up on, on that on that front on another on another time. But I do want to kind of get, get back to uh, kind of as we tri transition. That's a great Kobe story, by the way. But transition from Kobe and all the, I mean, like, I mean, the, the, the team, uh, obviously, had a, had an abbreviated season. You had COVID. They went to a bubble. They started after four months. They won a title. What do you think he would have said or thought about well, what I has transpired? Yeah, I know he's looking down, Otto, and he's proud. He's got that big grin. But remember, Kobe once told me, and I mean, it wasn't a secret. He told everybody, if you don't win a championship and you don't have a parade, the season sucks. You could go, you could go undefeated. <laughs> And if you don't win the championship, uh, and, and that goes back to Greg Downer. He told me that when he was a 13-year-old. He said Kobe hated, hated to lose. See, most guys love to win. Yep. The Kobe Bryants, I coached Chris Paul in New Orleans with Byron Scott. Yep. You know, those are the guys that they didn't love to win. They hated to lose. So yep. I know Kobe is looking down. Um, I, I think there's a couple people you really have to give credit to also as Kobe looks down. And I think, number one, it's Jeannie Buss, mm -hmm. the way she's been able to get that, you know, uh, train back on the track. Sure. I, I think, you know, when, when you think of a coach, Frank Vogel, and no, he wasn't the first choice. 
right. you know, but either was Pete Carroll at USC back in the day. Right, right, right. I wasn't able to handle that. In, and I don't know Frank. Uh, he's one of the few NBA coaches that I don't have a relationship with, but he lives in town where I live. And I, I can't wait to run into him because I admire what he's been able to do with the passing of Kobe, with COVID, you know, bringing LeBron James in, you know, and, and then I think you got to go to Palinka as well, because, you know, there was a lot of question marks. Could he do it? He was an agent. Could he do it on the other side? You know, him and Magic had a little bit of friction that they were able to work out. But Rob Palinka has done an unbelievable job. So I think it's a team. You know, it takes a village. I know that sounds cliche. But I know Kobe Bryant looks down and he sees LeBron. And, and we could talk, you know, for hours about LeBron. And, and, and you know, my, my favorite players were Dr. J and Myera. You know, then it was Mike. Then Mike, you know, everyone wanted to be like Mike, and then everyone wanted to be like Kobe, and now it's LeBron's league as we know it. But LeBron has just impressed me, not only just as an NBA champion, but as a man that stands for causes, as a father, you know, as a role model for, for fathers and for coaches and for dads and players. So I think you put it all together, and I think Kobe would, would look down and, 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 and tap LeBron James on the butt and say, Thanks for carrying on the Mamba mentality. Because remember this, Otto. I remember LeBron as a young player playing the Clippers, I think may have been the first time I ever saw him play, mm -hmm. you know, his first year. And LeBron was cool. LeBron just sort of, you know, went with the flow. But he was a kid, even though he looked like a man. Yep, yep. And he could turn it on any time. But he didn't have it turned on all the time. The first three quarters, mm -hmm. he was just – a, a high schooler that made the jump that was that was cool and I don't mean that in a negative way yeah. it was just cool it was LeBron James yeah. and uh, when LeBron got that taste of winning that's yeah. when I think he did not know it was the Mamba mentality he, we can call it the LeBron mentality because they both have that greatness you know I mean there'll never be another LeBron there'll never be another Kobe Bryant right but as LeBron has won LeBron has figured out that it does take four quarters and I have to be tough on my teammates. And yep. we all know that Kobe was the toughest. I mean, his competitive nature, it was a blessing and it was a curse as we saw with Shaq and Kobe who could have won five, six, seven, eight championships. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Look, you, you're, you're making me look good. You're making my job easy because I was going to transition into talking about LeBron. So uh, a year ago on the 25th, the day before the accident, you know, uh, obviously, famously, LeBron passes Kobe on the, on the Lakers scoring list. Uh, so this year, the night before, uh, Lakers are playing in Cleveland. So LeBron's going home, scores 46 points. Probably already said all there is to say about LeBron, but, but is there anything, is there anything that this guy can't do? I mean, putting aside, this is what, eight, season number 18, I want, I want to say. I mean, it's just, I mean, look, I'm just, I'm just in awe that he's still, and kind of like Kobe, still, still doing it at a very high level. Well, they both take care of their body. I think that's yeah. number one. You know, Kobe was just, he was relentless in the weight room. Uh, you know, I don't know this for a fact. I've either heard it or I've read it that LeBron James spends a million dollars a year taking care of his body. I mean, money well spent. Mm -hmm. But it's just the attitude. It's, it's, you know, what do I have to do to get better? And, you know, now LeBron's at the stage, and I laughed when you said that. What more can you say about him? You know, how much better can he get? And, and truth be told, I, he's on the other side of the fence. I don't want to yeah. say he's going down because of what we're seeing. But, you know, he, he's coming to the end as opposed to being in the middle or, or the start. So, you know, what can he do? I think he can pass on to these guys. I think he, 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 he's just 
like I said, he's a role model, not to us on the outside of the Laker organization, but the guys, everyone, you know, didn't want to play with Kobe. Maybe they didn't want to play yeah. with LeBron. Maybe they didn't want to share the spotlight. Yeah. But when I look at LeBron, he's bigger than basketball, Otto. You know, he's a CEO. He's a storyteller. Look what he's doing for the kids in Akron with the school and all. You know, he liked Kobe also. And again, I don't know LeBron. I, I don't want to paint a picture that's sure. not there. I mean, Kobe Bryant was one of my closest friends, and I could speak for days upon him. You know, I, I, I don't know LeBron. I, I met him uh, when he came out as a high schooler to play at Pauley Pavilion sure. uh, in a Dream Classic game. I, I've been around him. However, I do know teammates that have played with him that I've coached, J.R. Smith. And he just makes people better and not on the court. I think he's making people better in the world. Everything that he's done to stand up for what he believes in, you know, to be a role model for young dads, to be a role model for African-Americans yep. and, you know, not to shut up and just dribble, to, yep. to be able to go out there and voice your opinion. Um, uh, again, I said it about Derek Fisher, and he isn't in that same category of player, but guys like Derek Fisher, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, they could very easily be the president of the United States. Yeah. They, they're like the Pied Piper. Yeah. They have a cause, and people are going to follow them because of their character, their integrity, their work ethic, and their love for mankind. Uh, I got two topics I want to I want to hit on briefly, quickly, because I know we're running short on time. You so you mentioned uh, the, the whole you know dad thing and LeBron. Bronny is obviously coming up. What do you, what do you what would you envision? My, my, I mean, is LeBron gonna play against his son? Is that is that is that what we're to see in a couple of years' time? Or, you know, is he is he? How do you think? How do you think that's going to wind up going? Well, I'm not a cat. You know, I, I can barely balance my checkbook, right? And notice the key: I write checks. I mean, that's <laughs> one thing. When I go to the grocery store and I write a check, my kids—well, they're all in college now, but they used to run to another aisle or get away from me. So I, I have a hard time adding. Um, I think he has structured his contract that if the Lakers weren't able to get Bronny somehow, some way, he might be able to go somewhere and get mm -hmm. traded and to be with Bronny. I mean, to me, that would be, uh, you know, again, cliche icing on the top of the cake, right? Right, right? right. Or the cherry on top of the Sunday. Yeah. To think that you could be on an NBA team. And then the other thing I would say, and this is just in jest, if that doesn't work out any way, shape, or form, LeBron can just buy a team. I mean, could you imagine him making a call? <laughs> Hey guys, I want to buy this team. I mean, how many investors are just, how much do you need? Uh, yeah. Let me, and, and I don't know what Venmo is. That's probably another <laughs> topic, but Venmo me that, you know, $400 million and LeBron buys the team. And then all of a sudden he, he plays a couple games. Well, well um, yeah, well, no doubt someone will, will like you, will write a check and they'll, they'll, they'll get it done. <laughs> but, um, yeah, mine would bounce. I, I would be that guy that would say, shut up and dribble, coach, because you, you are not in that league. <laughs> Just leave off a few zeros. Um, last question, back back to the Lakers. They're 14 and four. Uh, you know, they had the shortest off season of, of any team aside from the Heat, uh, yet they look like they are just going to be sitting there when it's all said and done. You see the season shaping up any kind of way, and who do you think they'll be playing in the final series? Well, I'd, I'd like uh, – we'll, we'll start with who they, I'd like to see them play. I'd love to see them play Brooklyn. 
You mm-hmm. know, I just think with that firepower and, you know, what's the NBA? It's star power. So yeah. we'll see how that rolls out. There's a couple teams in the East that, you know, might want to differ with me, but how great would that be? You know, you, you've got the, the two Kings here in LA and, and then you got that, di- well, it's a, a threesome. It's not a dynamic duo anymore. So that's what I would like to see. Right now, the Laker defense isn't where it's at, but like you said, Otto, they've had the shortest time off and Frank Vogel will get that defense right. Blocking. But you know what I thought? I thought they did an unbelievable job, Palinka and staff. And Palinka did this. Again, don't know this. This is just what I've heard. Mm-hmm. He, he talked to LeBron. He talked to AD about putting the pieces together. That's what someone does when they're secure, you yeah. know, as opposed to it's my way or the highway. So I just think that they got better. I think they got younger. I think they got more athletic. Anthony Davis isn't playing great right now, but who cares? You know, it's sort of like in the NCAA, some of the leagues that I cover, it doesn't matter what happens because you're going to get one bid and all you have to do is win three games in your postseason tournament if, in fact, they get to play it. So, you know, again, you don't want to be playing your best basketball right now. You want to be ready, but I just, I I see the firepower. You know, the Clippers have a lot of talent. Ty Lue is going to do a great job there. Um, but I, I think the Lakers are going to repeat and you know how hard that is to do. Mm-hmm. But when you have LeBron James, the greatest player in the game right now on the planet right now, and then you have Anthony Davis, because I always say this, Otto, LeBron is now and, and he should get all the accolades. But Anthony Davis is the future. That's the building block that when LeBron decides to hang it up, now you build that team around Anthony Davis. And there couldn't be a better guy because He's learning what Kobe taught a lot of players. Now he's learning from LeBron of what it takes. And I just see a different swag in in the interviews. And, you know, when much is given, much is expected. So there's a lot of expected out of AD. But boy, does he have a great mentor to lead the way in LeBron James. Well, this has been a great conversation. I feel like we kind of did the full circle. You know, we, we talked about Kobe. We talked about LeBron. We talked about AD a little bit. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. And remember, you could follow Dave at, at Coach Dave Miller. Man, that was great. Thanks again for joining us. Pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Otto. And I'm going to leave you with this. Mamba out. That was dope. Well, once again, everybody, that was Coach Dave Miller. And man, he, he can tell a story. <laughs> uh, there's, some, there's some good stuff there. We probably could have done a whole other whole show there. But uh, we're going we're to keep this train moving. and. Uh, so, Aaron, a question for you. Okay, what do you got? What, what NBA franchise do you think is worth the most amount of money and how much? I'm going to go with the Lakers, you know? Okay. Team with 20, what is it, 27 NBA titles now, based in the L.A. market. LeBron James is their cornerstone right now. Uh, well, I don't know, $4 billion? 17 NBA titles, but we're, cl- we're close. <laughs> we're close. <laughs> I was thinking of the Yankees for a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now, now, you're, now you're in my lane. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So their, their total valuation apparently is uh, $5.1 billion, you know, give, give or take a few million. But yeah. the number one That's team, the New York Knicks. No way. I, well. We talk about this all this time. Are the New York Knicks even the number one team in their city anymore? Well, like, but, hey, they're the number one team in the borough. So, that, so there's that, <laughs> which they're yeah, the only team in the borough for those who are, don't know. But, but yeah. Um, yeah, look, it, it, this, this has always been something as, as a Knicks fan growing up, growing up. This is something that's always kind of confounded the people. Um, 
like by virtue of the fact that they're in New York and the media market. And look, for a number of years, they were, they were good. They were, you know, an exciting team to follow. And it was, it was the toughest ticket to get. I mean, it was like, you know, it was like a prize fight every night or two times a week, if you will. But, um, you know, those, those days are, I want to say, kind of sort of over because not for nothing, but guess who's in the eighth spot now? Tied with your magic. New York Knicks. The New York Knicks. New York Knicks and Magic aren't going to be in that eight spot very much longer. Meaning? <laughs> oh, they're just going to continue to tumble. <laughs> uh, okay. I, well, the same, the same could be said about the Knicks. I mean, I, I, although I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. You know, so, before, before they head out on, the, on that, uh, you know, the West Coast trip, I mean, like, they've beaten some teams. You know, they beat, beat Golden State, beat, beat Boston, went against Milwaukee. So, you know, it's kind of, okay. See what you can do now. Now you know. Now that you've proven a few things, you got to sustain it. So here's a question, Otto: If the New York Knicks are worth more than five billion dollars, and by this, you know, th- this metric that they are the most valuable team in the NBA, why do con- why do owners even care about winning anymore? Like, if the the valuation of these franchises is just going to continue to rise, and keep in mind, these numbers probably came out, you know, after the league lost half of an operating season. Yeah. What's the point of winning anymore? Well, look, I, I think you have, um, um, you know, mega, mega millionaires and billionaires with toys. And, and, you know, at a certain point, you know, how, you know what you can have, you can have six, mil, six billion or you can have seven billion or you can have the really elusive thing. And that is a club that wins a ring. You know, that, that's the, you know, it's always the thing that you can't have that is the thing that you seek the most, right? I mean, that's the way it always works. So, so yeah, you could, you, could, you could shower people with billions of dollars. It's not going to, you know, put a ring on a finger, um, you know, or, 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 you know, put a banner in, a, in an arena. So, you know, that, that, by my way of thinking, and then when I become a billionaire, I'll let you know. But until then, I think that's, that's the way it goes. Yeah. And, and let's keep in mind. So the, the numbers that we're talking about is from Sportico and they, they put this out the other day and it's not only related to team business, but it's also all the real estate that these clubs own. So the way it's been explained to me is that if a team, they can own the building, right? Like they can own the arena and that can be privately funded, but then it's everything else around the arena or other parts of real estate that they might own around the city that is underneath the team name that can lead to these valuations, which is interesting. So here's what I like. Do you know who the five least valuable teams are, Otto? This is way more fun. Because okay. it's one thing to always look at the top five. It's another thing to know who the bottom five are and who's like still doing well, but they're just not as well. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say that, you know, I'm thinking of the, of the smaller cities. I'm thinking, I'm thinking – no, no hate mail, folks. But I'm thinking Memphis. I'm thinking OKC. I'm thinking uh, Atlanta. Possibly. Um, I would yeah, want. Really? I'd want to say Toronto, but I. But but I mean, Toronto's a major metropolitan. I'm going to say no on Toronto. No on Toronto. Toronto yeah. is not a bottom five team. That's a major market, man. I, well, big well, city. Just because it's in Canada does not mean that Toronto is not a real city. <laughs> Come on. I didn't say it's a great city. You put words in my mouth. You put words in my mouth. I didn't say it was a real city. <laughs> I'm just trying to for an NBA market. Now, if you're talking hockey, I would, you know, they, they'd be they'd be up there. But all right. So who who do we have? All right. I'll I'll, I'll give you number five, and we've already said this. It's yeah. the Orlando Magic. So okay. they come in, there's 30 teams in the league, so they would come in at number 26. Okay. The team next to them is a market in similar size, same division, and has had a few different name changes. 
We've talked about their owner in this show. Uh, Charlotte. Charlotte, yeah. See, man, I am really good at this. So the team coming in just ahead of Charlotte had a very good pick this year in the NBA draft. Some would call it the best possible pick that you could have. Memphis? Memphis? Come on. Number one overall pick. Who had the number one pick this year? Who had the number one? I'm, 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 my brain is my brain's trying to tell me. Tell me. Minnesota. Minnesota. The Timberwolves. Oh. The only team right now that some people say might be up for sale. So their valuation came in at $1.3 billion. So whoever's mm. going to buy that team, that's a starting point for them. And the bottom two markets, one is Memphis, the bottom feeder, might have the most electrifying player in the NBA right now. A lot of people are excited about him. Well, I thought John Morant was in, was the uh, most electrifying. John is good. Who else was in that draft class? Uh, 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 Trey. Zion Williamson, man. Oh, man. I'm... Zion, man. <sighs> it's okay. It's okay. I, I have the benefit of having the list in front of me. So I, I can just be like, yo, I know what the answers are. I was giving you the test. I had the list, but here's the thing. I wanted to be true to the game and I didn't, I didn't look. I didn't look. <laughs> That's admirable. That's admirable. Yeah, see where it gets me. So just so people know, the least valuable franchise in the NBA is still worth $1.3 billion. So if anyone ever says these owners don't make money or that they're struggling <laughs> after the course of the pandemic, I don't want to hear it. Mic right. drop, Otto. That's <laughs> well, I, I, there's, there's nothing more to say to that. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we will, uh, we will call it a, we will call it in a, a show. This is a catch and shoot 2.0. Thank you for listening. Want to thank our producers, Scott Turkin, Bruce Bernstein, and our editor, Tom Phillip. And uh, I'm going to kick it over to Aaron. Absolutely. And if you guys have not caught the rest of our content coming your way from Pure Hoops Media, why don't you check it out? Every Monday, the Mike Wise Show drops. That is a fun listen with all of his characters that he brings from around the NBA. Tuesdays is full court with Jenny Fisher and Kara Kay. That's your chance to talk a little bit of college hoops. Wednesdays, as always, Otto and I are bringing you the latest and greatest from the association. We'll also give you news and nuggets from around the league. Thursdays is Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure. And then we wrap it all up with the flagship show. It is the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. And Otto, we talked about this last week. There might be a new administration, but our message does not change, right? Oh, wear the mask. Please, please, please wear the mask. Social distance, wash your hands. Stay safe. Peace and love, everybody. Absolutely. Just be good to one another. That does it for us here on Catch and Shoot 2.0. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.